0: Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marilyn Germain. In this episode, Michael Jenger, CEO of ResMessive, talks about the ways HR technology has failed recruiters and how artificial intelligence platforms could ignore biases and focus solely on the candidate's talent. Welcome, Michael.
1: Hi, happy to be here, thanks.
0: Michael is the CEO of Resume Sieve, an artificial intelligence powered candidate evaluation platform designed to ignore biases and look purely at talent. As humans, we are hardwired to make quick decisions the way we think is largely shaped by a variety of unconscious biases. And unfortunately, there's nowhere more apparent where our unconscious bias plays out than during the recruitment process. And our guest today, Michael Jenger, believes that by removing human biases in the recruitment process, organizations are able to hire a more diverse workforce. Mm -hmm. In fact, a recent McKinsey study shows that companies with a diverse workforce are 35% more likely to perform above their respective national industry medians. So, Michael, you say that HR technology has failed recruiters. How so?
1: In a couple of ways. I've been in the talent acquisition space for almost 20 years. And what I have seen is technology has become complex and in some ways has become fragmented. And oftentimes it has become part of a package that you buy a certain set of tools and therefore you get what those tools have without really focusing on what is it that the recruiters do and how do you make life easier for the recruiter? Mostly it's been about record keeping and You know, having a repository than it has been for improving the recruitment process. And that's one of the things that we are looking at in at Resume Civ is how can we make the recruiter's life easier? How can we make them more productive? Make them less manual, if you will. And there's a surprising amount of manual work still left in recruiting, even with all the technology that's available out there.
0: So one (laughs) of the well-known issues about using AI in recruitment is the existence Mm -hmm. of biases, because algorithms are programmed by human beings who can have some biases regarding, I don't know, gender, race, age, etc. But you say, Michael, that an AI platform can ignore biases and only really look at talent. What's your secret sauce here?
1: Well, let's break it down a little, Marie. The secret that we bring to the table is that we're looking at the skills without doing comparison. In other words, it's really more an algorithmic consideration. For us, the AI is breaking down the resume, is identifying the skills that are captured on the resume, all of which have really nothing to do with the person, so that that when you can do the comparison, which is what we're doing, we're doing the evaluation and then the ranking of, of resumes, We're doing it on an equal basis. Everybody is compared against the same set of criteria. And the way the system learns is it's learning about new skills and learning about new formats of how a resume is put together. Now, if you talk about just more generically, uh, your question a little bit more broadly about what can you do about making AI less prone, the key to AI functioning is that the system has to have feedback of some sort, it has to be getting the word on what's working and what's not, which is aside from the, the algorithmic issue of unconscious bias, there's also the fact that that feedback means somebody has saying to the system, yeah, this person was good or this person wasn't good. And what was the basis for that decision making? And so it, in a sense, the, the way to train a system is you have to train the users in what they're doing. But then you also have to look at it. You have to look at the output. You can't just trust that the system is going to consistently produce the results that you want. This is, this is one thing that some of the big AI proponents have learned is that you can't just set it and ro- walk away. You have to constantly be evaluating what is the output? Is the output as you expected? Or have we gotten into a situation where because of some of the input, the output is now skewed? You just can't take the humans completely out of the loop, even though you're using AI to help you out. There still has to be that interface to evaluate the results.
0: So you work with large companies, small companies. What's your approach when you work with a client?
1: Quite frankly, yes, to both large and small companies. Our hope is that our software is easy enough to use that people can simply begin to use it on their own. There are times when we're having to work with somebody to help them through, well, you know, how do I use this with the other technologies that I have and whatnot? And so our approach is, no software is perfect, Marie. let's, Let's be clear. And a clever person can figure out ways to circumvent whatever sort of compliance capability that you build into your software. We think that, that we have made our software as compliant as it can be, as long as someone isn't deliberately trying to subvert it. So for example, one way that oftentimes bias will creep in is looking at the address of where somebody's from, what neighborhood they're in. And so we do allow people to evaluate based on location, but it's not an exclusionary thing. It's are you near this particular spot? If you are, you get a higher score than in, and then if you're not. If somebody really needs you to be near the office. Another way is to look at you know, what schools you went to. Well, we're not making evaluations around the schools. We do allow somebody to determine, do you have a certain degree but again, everybody is evaluated in the same way, and that's what we say to people when they ask us, you know, how how is it that you're avoiding the unconscious bias? How is it you're supporting the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives that are out there? It's really by being consistent and being transparent in terms of the criteria that's used. That's probably the, the one thing that you, you hear most people say, I was talking to one CEO who was was using an AI sourcing tool as part of uh, his applicant tracking system. And they had to pay extra for it. It was an add on. And he said, my recruiters won't use it. And I said, why not? They said, because they don't trust it. Well, okay. Because they, they don't know what it's doing. They don't know, you know, they don't know how it's making the decision that it's making, you know, and of course, you know, an AI system has to be trained right from the very beginning to get to a point where it's actually producing results. And if you're not getting the input and the input isn't consistent, Or if it's consistently slanted in a certain way, then that's what the output's gonna look like. And you have to constantly be evaluating that to ensure that what you're getting is something that is in line with your expectation. It's it's a tricky challenge. And quite frankly, I think that this is part of why AI has not had a bigger impact than it already has, particularly in the HR space, simply because of some of these early experiments with it and you know, things going a, a bit awry when you, you know, sort of set it and forget it, and then look what starts to happen on um, the output. And there's still a lot of work to be done. I, I, there was a very interesting article recently in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology magazine about the sort of the ethics of AI and the challenge that people who are bringing AI forward is not as much a technology challenge as it is a societal challenge. How do you take into account what society accepts? Because is there a certain thing that society accepts? Of course there's not. There are multiple groups and those groups have different perspectives. And so what might be exclusionary to one group might be perfectly fine with another group. And how do you get a system to learn to balance that? That's the challenge that, that practitioners have to ensure that, that they're watching that the system isn't suddenly skewing things. So
0: you mentioned that the residence, the location where the person lives is taken out. What other elements are, I mean, commonly recruiters now today are avoiding looking at names as well, right? Because a name can give away a gender and an ethnicity sometimes. What do you do?
1: Well, so the names are visible, the gender and ethnicity are not. The things that we're doing are we're, we're trying to make it easier for the recruiter to look at the things that they want to look at without having to focus on um, sort of the, the identifiers. So, for example, we calculate the total work experience, which is it's sometimes difficult. You know, it takes time to figure out how long has somebody worked. What was their shortest job? What was their average job? And then the primary focus of our application is what are the skills the person has? And so that ensures that each person that is evaluated is evaluated on the same set of criteria. You know, even if location is considered to be part of it, at least everybody is considered with the same calculation so that you can't point to the process and say, well, the process had flawed results because, you know, they, you evaluate people differently. That's, that's one of the keys to avoiding the, you know, sort of an adverse impact is to ensure that you're consistent. And our tool was designed primarily for people who don't have access to other tools, let's say that right up front, that you know we, can't, we can not work and we do work in conjunction with an applicant tracking system. And, and the, the kind of people that, that we're having conversations with typically don't even have an applicant tracking system. What they have is they got a, a, a stack of emails either in their email or literally printed out in a folder. And so we're making it easier for them to consistently evaluate those resumes in a way that's, that's repeatable and justifiable when it comes right down to it.
0: Thank you, Michael, for your insights on the ways HR technology has failed recruiters and how AI platforms can ignore biases and focus solely on the candidate's talent.
1: Thank you very much. You know, Marie, this has been a a really interesting conversation and and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. I think that this is something that we need to be talking about much more because all too often we buy the technology and we tell people to go use it and we're not paying attention to how they're using it. And that's where companies are going to get into trouble. The challenges recruiters are having are not because of the technology itself, I think, rather because are we enabling the recruiters to use the technology more effectively? That's something for people to think about. I appreciate your time today
0: point well taken. Thank you Michael. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.